Oh, we went to school all right. We was doing JPEGs. It's the Going On Podcast with Rap Greek and Muse. And we got uh, a special guest with us times two. We got your boys, Kill Bill the Rapper, Unt Rap. Say hello to the lovely people. Hey, guys, what do you call it when Lil Uzi Vert drinks a little bit of alcohol and then belches? Fuck, I know this one. <laughs> a little boozy burp. <laughs> Kill Bill and Rev, everyone. Uh, it's an honor to have uh, both of y'all on again for a multitude of reasons. You got since the last time we've had you on. Just my gosh, the uh, the launch of Chibi Chubby, numerous uh, releases and projects out the wazoo, and. I don't think a lot of people are hip to this yet, but uh, Pitchfork just dropped their top 200 songs of the last 20 years, and Kill Bill and Rev are all the top 20. Dang, we weren't even hip to that. No, we weren't. This is good to know. This is breaking news. It's what we do here. When news breaks, we fix it. It's because I slept with Johnny Pitchfork, Oh, the owner of Pitchfork, and he That's was just like, that dick too bomb. We got to put him in the top 20, you know? Before we do the podcast, like when we record uh, podcast episodes and stuff like that, we always just like sit around and like talk for like 30 minutes just to kind of like warm up because it's like kind of early for me. And I'm like, you know, I'm a I'm a I'm a sleepyhead in the morning and we always talk about random ass shit. And today we talked about that time that Joel Santana like like 50 cent called out Joel Santana for not having no teeth no more. <laughs> yeah, Bill didn't know about this. Oh, y'all didn't know about this either. Why is it he said such an asshole? <laughs> There was like some sort of thing going on where like there was a picture where Joel's appears to be missing some teeth. Then he did that like oh. there was a music video with Dipset and there was a shot where you can see he's missing a lot of teeth. And Fifth took like a screen cap of that, posted it, and I think says some like leaning in good. Yeah. I don't know. I'm paraphrasing. Oh, Joel Santana. I was thinking of fucking um like Carlos Santana. Oh no. Yeah. <laughs> Fifty Cent is like, hey, yo, fuck Carlos Santana. <laughs> he ain't got no teeth no more. Gotta stop. You can play guitar real good, but like, let me see that smile. <laughs> Do you remember in 2008 when when Fifty Cent was like, hey, look, if Carlos Santana sells more albums than me, I'm retiring. <laughs> <laughs> and then he fucking did, and Fifty was like, oh. No, <laughs> he's like, oh no, Carlos Santana, my, my mortal enemy. <laughs> the Fifty Cent versus Kanye thing. I think he he said that on purpose, obviously for many reasons, you know, to kind of like getting everything, everyone excited about it. But he knew he was gonna outsell Kanye, and like overall, internationally, he really outsold Kanye. It's just I thought he didn't. I thought no, uh, only in America. Platinum and Kanye really? went four times. No, Kanye outsold uh, Fifth in the states. But worldwide, 50 outsold them by like a lot. Wow. That's interesting. So, but that, but you know, who's going to be like, damn, I sold more than you in Russia. Like nobody gives a shit, right? They're not looking at the China numbers. Yeah. I, I don't think I remember a single song, maybe one song off that whole album. Man, that song did not stick. Yo, Technology was a real rough song, in my opinion. I don't know. I don't want to think about 50 Cent or or Justin Timberlake having cyber sex. Like, isn't that what that song's about? The whole joke of it was that, like, oh, Kanye uh, Kanye West uses autotune. So, like, 50 Cent was making fun of him, like, oh, you're a punk. You know, you use an autotune. And then he does a song with Justin Timberlake where he uses autotune. Was that also the same album with the... uh the really, it's hard for me to say because it's a little tongue twist to the have a baby by me 
Baby, be oh, a millionaire. Have a baby by me, baby. Be oh, a millionaire. Yeah. Have a baby by me, baby. Be a millionaire. Damn, I forgot that about song, that song. Okay, that song had a catchy hook, and it was kind of it's a catchy hook, sure. <laughs> But it's so horrible. Like, I mean, the sentiment, dude, I it, the sentiment is pretty bad. I mean, not Agreed. bad, shallow. It's a shallow sentiment, not a bad yeah. one. But What's shallow about it? It's we're making life, baby. <laughs> and money at the same time. I've come to the recent realization that I don't think I like a single 50 Cent song. And I, oh, I might be wrong on. about that. Nah, That's you crazy. wrong for that. There's definitely not even some... in the club. <laughs> no, fuck in the club. In the club is one of his weakest joints. I feel like he had some some sleepers. Like Mini Man was actually right. pretty tight. Many men. Oh, many, many, many men. That's I will fully admit that I was turned off by the hiss and I never really did a, that deep of a dive. The deeper cuts might resonate with me more, but just out of the fucking like candy shop and in the club and... Yeah. What is that one song that's real hard off the second album? Where it's like, uh, I walk through the hood and I keep hearing her saying, I'm supposed to die tonight. That song is hard, man. That song's hard as fuck. The first few albums for 50 Cent and G-Unit, like 50 Cent was the hook guy. You know, like we don't remember him as such anymore, but he had some like the Don Perignon, the, the, like what was it? The... Don Perignon out on Necris, Tanqueray and Alize out on Nisha. Homie, I'm high all the time. I smoke that good shit. I stay high all the time. I'm on some hood shit. Those shits were so catchy, you know. Even like Wangsta and Twenty One Questions, and and the crazy thing about it back then, you have to think like the energy was the beef energy was a strong one, and not many artists would blow up off of songs that would like publicly diss people. Like Window Window Shopper, like on the hook, he's dissing Ja Jada. And I think Joe and like people didn't really do that. You don't have a song that's dissing three other New York dudes go platinum every time you do it. You know, all that being said, though, I will say that, like, if it was just like the like I could go like the rest of my life and never hear Candy Shop oh, ever yeah. again. I hate, and I think I, I live a better song. life. Like my thing is like, do you does anyone need 50 cents music like I mean, like, I, I, it represents a very specific sort of, like, if you're in that, like, hardcore shit, but it's just, like, there's nothing in his music. There's no heart. There's no deeper, you know what I mean? There's nothing to really be gained from it, especially after his first album. I don't really you know? love 50 Cent's music by any stretch of the imagination, and I'm I'm glad that generation came to an end when it did, and I, I wish it kind of came to an end sooner. That being said, I think it would be crazy to dismiss not only his significance within the culture, because it was definitely significant, but also that there was heart. It's just that it was a heart that p- many people weren't used to seeing. He definitely was the voice of the streets. And and sometimes the voices of the streets is not something that's like polished and pretty. And to us, it may seem ugly and, and horrible. And positive, or positive, right, or yeah. positive. But it's a reflection of the reality. I was going to say, I think he did a very good job of like depicting like a, like a very like like classic like heartless gangster exactly like, yeah i can see that i remember at first i remember not like feeling like i remember actually being into him as much especially because like oh eminem is uh putting him on so of course i gotta pay mm. you know what i mean it's like one of right. those deals. oh yeah but then yeah it was just yeah kind of like but then after a while i was just like but he doesn't have that he's not like as lyrical a guy so okay it's mainly for the hooks but like i don't really want to hear like he's, he doesn't have a great voice to me you know it's like it of course it's that 
you know, that gutter guttural sort of, uh, you know, deeper sound to it that's really, like, angry, but it's just, like, there's not a lot of variety, and after a while, especially after the first album, it sort of became, you know, the parody unto itself. It's like, all right, how many neighborhoods can you shoot up, 50 Cent? Like, you know right. what I mean? Well, things it, do it, run its course, especially when the more 2D the character that you're portraying is, the shorter yeah. the lifespan will be. And 50 Ooh. Cent's character was very much, you know, like, you know, yeah. you, you hear the first two songs, you, you get get the idea whereas I think Robbie Robbie shooty shooty yeah. <laughs> yeah you know what so it's like it's not that he doesn't have an important voice in a way it's just that it's not condu- conducive to lots of material really unless he's like really being creative which i feel like he was especially at first when he was more hungry because for sure isn't everyone but uh you know like after a while it becomes like all right well you've already got the millions of dollars but you still have to be the hardcore gangster and another thing i feel like he never reinvented himself like Snoop Dogg and P. Diddy will apparently be around forever because every couple of years it's going to be like, oh, now I'm, you know, in reggae. Now I got two chicks singing. Well, he me. had the now opportunities, I, you know right? Because I mean? he did. I mean, he definitely had some of like the more personal, like, damn, like hate his verse on Hate It or Love It was a very oh, I personal love that verse. Yeah. yeah and it's that a was great verse. My favorite verse from him yeah and it's very heartfelt and you listen to it and you're like damn okay he's a person and that's when he was more than just yeah. like two dimensional and i think he needed to channel that a little bit more in his music and then he tried to reinvent himself with remember the uh i get money money i got when he basically was trying to take the jay-z route of of i'm successful but he could oh, yeah. but he was spinning oh, it as yeah, the, the villain because he's always been the villain yeah. right so he's like more ha ha I have this money motherfuckers whereas Jay-Z kind of yeah. has has taken it a different angle since then you well, know with Jay-Z you're supposed to be on his side because look how smart I am right with 50 Cent it's I'm smarter than you I'm cunning and it's like, yeah, yeah yeah like you know and it's like it's always that with that feeling of just like but but fuck you though yeah I remember he did that whole tape dedicated to Fat Joe and it was called Elephant in the, in the Sand, sand. Yes, I remember with his butt yeah. crack showing uh, and him in the, it had at the beach one good song on it I remember it had that one song that actually was kind of fire like and that's all you need, right? Like, you need the idea of, I dedicated a whole album just to dissing you, and the big song that really disses them, you know what I mean? Yeah, I remember it being a big thing, because Fat Joe came out with an album at the time, and it sold, it moved 40,000 units. The fact that I remembered this just shows how powerful 50 Cent's oh, thing yeah. was. It, put, it was called Elephant in the Room, or something like that. Right, yeah, and so, yeah, El- yeah. exactly, it was Elephant in the Room, and Elephant in the Sand had way more than 40,000 downloads on Dad Piff, and so 50 was just yeah. like, see, see and that was kind of funny to watch you know so let's play a real quick round of if you had to guess what do you think is the number one uh song according to pitchfork top the best song of the last uh 20 years 20 I you years. Guys were joking. I didn't know this was an actual specific list. No, it's it's the top tw- it's the top 200 songs of the of the 2000s. Okay, can we let's first narrow it down to the genre, I think. Yeah, I was going to okay, say, can it, we pick a genre? It is like, a rap we, song. Can you give us a hint? Okay. Okay, all right. Uh, okay. I'm guessing maybe Lose Yourself, like Eminem, you know what I'm saying? Because he sold, uh, he's one of the highest selling rappers of the decade, so they're probably going to go for Pitchfork like, wouldn't yeah, be yeah. doing it based on sales. They would be doing on the That's merit of the music. That's a good point. And not, not to knock Lose Yourself, 
it's a good song. Definitely good. There have definitely been better rap songs written in the last 20 I, years. I think, I think it's the most appropriate song Eminem can have as a, look, this is an artist to take seriously song, you know? Like, For sure. They, you don't want to put out, you know, uh, uh, brain damage as the, look, you know, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I actually think brain damage, but brain damage was kind of like significant because, I don't know, to, that, like that sound damage. wasn't very mainstream. <laughs> yeah, that, that sound wasn't very no, no, mainstream. I'm not, I'm not saying... I'm not saying it's not dope. I'm saying like that's not what they're gonna put. I mean, as, it wasn't the know, radio like, hit, loses, sure. Yeah, no, but like even next to like my name is or something like that, you would still go and lose yourself because that's the that's the safer bet. That's a song with you know no homophobic slurs in it and shit. You know. That being said, I don't think Pitchfork would would pick like a, a safe uh, list anyway. You know, yeah, I feel they like seem Pitchfork to be like a little bit more on like the edgy that. side of like. Oh, okay. Oh, I want to make a guess. I want to make a guess. Okay. Now I'm not okay. This is not. This may be way the fuck off. It's gonna be Kendrick. Okay. Okay. I think it's gonna be a Kendrick Lamar I song. I think it's Kendrick. Like, yeah. Uh, do you have a specific one in mind? Gonna be fucking I have a sinner. Is it gonna be that one? What are you gonna say, Bill? What do I think it is? Yeah. Uh, something off of something off of Pimp Butterfly, or maybe something off. Yeah, I don't know what though. Okay. Uh, maybe fucking uh, I don't know. I don't know what song is like the single <laughs> of Pimp Butterfly. No, uh, no, I, I would say something off of uh, something off of uh, not to Pimp Butterfly, but um, Good Kid. Yeah, yeah, it would be something off maybe, of Good Maybe maybe something off a of Good Kid, but I like, don't know. I, 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 my guess though is it's a Kendrick Lamar song. Like I don't know, like give me like a like a forty percent like victory if it is that. So yeah, I'm 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 thinking so. it has to be to pimp a butterfly though because I feel like retroactively everyone's looking at that record, and so my I'm gonna hinge my bet. I'm gonna be cheeky here and throw two songs out. I'm gonna go with. Yeah, see which one. I'm yeah, gonna go yeah. with All Right and okay. Wesley's Theory. Okay, well, for- I'm gonna go with All Right. All Right is my answer. That is like my for yeah. background. I don't think Lose Yourself was in the list at all. Uh, um. Okay. F- uh, DNA was also in the list somewhere down down like midway. Um, okay. I think they might okay. have been Bitch Don't Kill My Vibe. Might have even been in the top ten. Number one was All Right. Okay, number one was oh! okay. Wow. Well, there you go. It was all right. Hell yeah, boy, we got it. <laughs> we did it. Oh, I'm so surprised you got that so fucking fast. Holy shit! Like um, my immediate thought was like it had to be Kendrick. I know. I know. Bill was thinking the exact same thing because we. I mean, it makes sense. And you know, you know it's probably well deserved. That was a big yeah. That, that was a big song during like the Ferguson protests. And that's shit, that's know? pretty much what they were saying. Right, yeah. the, the, it was the perfect song for the perfect moment. Like all the st- yeah. stars aligned to make like the perfect and album I, at that time. And I think to add on you know top I mean? all of it, it's it's still like I feel like you could take all right to any place in the world and play it, and people would be like, "That sounds good." It just it sounds yeah, great. Right. It, it has that message. It it's has the, that cultural yeah. significance. <laughs> It's the, yeah, it's like it's a it's the full package. I I love that fucking song. Well deserved. I'm real proud of us right now. Yeah, I can't. I actually can't even hate on that. <laughs> yeah. Of course, we're we're hip hop nerds. Is Lil B a troll or not? Yes and no. Well, the, the reason I bring up B, it isn't unprompted. Um, I did do a term search, and while Eminem is nowhere. 
in this uh, top 200 list. Uh, oh, you've got to be fucking kidding me. Is Lil B in there? Number 194, so Wonton Soup. Yeah. <laughs> oh, shit. Okay. Damn. Well, that song is gas, too. That they picked the best really one good. to do. That's a good song. <laughs> he was with the pack. Um, they did the van song, whatever, and then they were just going to fade off into, you know, um, obscurity. Like, this just kind of what they thought was going to happen, you know? So then he started doing a solo career, and he was doing this thing where, and to answer his question, I don't think Little B is a troll at all like i don't think troll is the right word like um i think he's a a rapper who was doing something very very weird realized that it was funny after people started making fun of it and then like embraced it he talks about like based freestyling and the idea of based freestyling is okay this actually like super fascinating to me like it sounds like stupid okay but the thing is is like it's freestyling but you don't think it's like you freestyle and you just like go into this zen mode and a lot of the times they call it based freestyling because these dudes would be like free basing like they would be on coke or, or you know they'd be fucking or whatever they'd be just really fucked up right and so that was like their mode was do a whole bunch of weird drugs and just like put a microphone in front of them and just like rap for like hours on end of just like gibberish right it's like no longer you rapping it's like this entity within you is taking control like this like your autopilot mode is rapping you see what i'm saying that's fascinating as fuck Muse, you listen to the three and a half hour album where it's like every two songs he's talking about Figaro and the fucking same goddamn uh, 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 Figaro and I'm selling Jerry, still selling Fanny. Like, you know what I mean? Like, if there was some like incredible fucking shit that was coming out, I'd be like, yo, what the fuck? Where's he going? I can't follow him. I don't know what's happening. There's definitely tapes, though, that he does do some crazy shit. Like, there's some tapes. Like, because the thing is, is like, uh, there's that, um, what is the song when he rapped over Exhibit B? Or exhibit C. I can't, oh, exhibit B. He, it Exhi- was exhibit B. So he actually B, yeah. wrote it, and it was dope. Yeah, like it was a dope verse, and I was like, that was the thing that turned me on to him because I remember first hearing it, and I thought it was a joke. I heard "Look Like Jesus," and I was like, oh, it's a joke. And then I heard something else. I was like, I heard Mel Gibson, and I was like, okay, this is clearly a joke, you know. And I'm not saying it wasn't. I think it's like they were just like having fun, just doing dumb shit, right? And they recorded it, and they put it out, and it became like this viral sensation under this like weird corner of the internet. But then like when he actually started, I heard exhibit based and I was like, oh, he can rap like he can actually rap. But this other stuff is something else. And like, I think that he knows that like, oh, I can use multis like I can use punchlines. I can do this other stuff. But like, who cares about that? Because everyone's doing that. Why don't I just do something completely different? And just like that was the thing that I think is like interesting. Now, that being said, he's put out like so much bad music that like it's it's understandable. But like knowing the context of like when you find a good Lil B mixtape, like when you find a like Evil Red Flame or you find uh, um, God's son uh, or was it God's father? God's father. That's what it is. Um, when you get a tape like that and the production's really good and like he's like on it's great but then that only happens like one out of a hundred tapes but he's put out like a thousand tapes so with him I'm, I'm assuming his thing is just like my discography is not like a concern it's just i create and what comes out comes out and if sometimes it's good it's i good. would say so because like basically the way i view it is like an extension of like sonic surrealism i feel like current like and in the last five years we've seen sort of uh impressionism infiltrate hip-hop and i mean it in a positive way i may not like all all the kind of music that i label as impressionist hip-hop you know i i throw people like lil uzi vert in that uh i i feel like he was ahead of his time because it, it was very much a surreal 
experience where it was very psychoanalytical almost, you know, where he, he would he would just say things that were in him already without thinking them through. And just as someone who majored in psychology, to me, that's just like, oh, this is really interesting. This is this is something different and it might not necessarily be great. But when he it did work, and even with songs like Wonton Soup, yeah, I, I genuinely think it's a, it's a fun sounding song. It's great. But also it's just kind of the ridiculousness adds to it. I don't think he was trying to be ridiculous at any point in those songs. Like, oh, I'm going to say this shit because people will think maybe it's funny and people will click on it. No, it felt like, oh, that's like I'm getting a, a glimpse into his life probably around that time. And it's like maybe that day he ate Wonton Soup. And that's why the first thing came to his mind. I remember looking up like why do people like Lil B and I remember finding an interview where it was like okay we're gonna we're, we're gonna get into it you know what what the fans like you know what I mean like what are people seeing in him and I remember the interview it was just like it was it was him saying well you know I'll hear someone's name and I'll be like hey man what's your name oh your name is Michael's Michael Scott oh yeah Michael Scott oh Michael Scott I got a song it's called Michael Scott and I was just like and as I'm like hearing the person describe it, it's like, it's interesting how he oh, takes no. a word and repeats it and makes it, and I'm just like, what? And that was the thing that kind of made me think, like, are you guys trolling me? Like, this is... Yeah, it's like people who are, like, not into rap music or, like, don't understand that concept. Because, like, if you take the concept out, if you take the, like, the context behind it, out of it, and just show it to someone, they're just going to be confused. I'm not saying that he hasn't made, like, some good music or some catchy music, but I think, like, going into it with the pretense of, like, this is, like, we're not just listening to this for its sonic value. It's, like, almost like a weird experiment. You know, know, you're right, you're right. And I'm not going to lie. Like I said, I mean, I have my weird thing. You know, I listen to... An inordinate amount of insane clown bossing, you know what I mean? And right, like, right. Yeah, yeah, why the fuck would I be listening to them? But it's just like, I don't know, man. They they weirdly have so you know what it is? I honestly I feel like the reason why I started listening to them was I remember people saying, They're the world's worst band. And I remember just having that contrary. And you gotta see for yourself. Yeah, yeah exactly. Like, oh yeah. That's not accurate. I don't think they're the world's worst band. Like I think no. what is it, Hocus Pocus? That's a pretty good song. Like they got some good songs, you my know. Axe but- is my buddy. <laughs> no. now, they do, I mean, they have a lot of bad songs. <laughs> my ex is my buddy. I'm about to kill myself if I hear that song. That song's bad. I think, like what you mentioned earlier, I think it was before we actually like officially uh, got into it. Um, that you had said like everyone had the impression that ICP were like dumb or whatever. Like that wasn't the perception of ICP until miracles. Yeah. Because of magnets. that was the thing that a lot of people who had never heard anything from them or even knew who they were. That was like the introduction to their existence. So when that's the very first thing you, you hear from them, it's like, wow, who the fuck are they? But you don't realize the like, decades at that point or like at least a decade of like really standing out against like racism and homophobia and yeah there's a lot of really problematic shit in there mixed in i'm not gonna deny that at all for a second i was just gonna say i guess that's kind of like why drake's been so popular for so long is because unlike 50 cent 50 cent was two-dimensional and he channeled the like rob rob shoot shoot stab stab whereas drake is two-dimensional but it's like oh you know 
or relationships. And I feel like no matter what... That's way more relatable to the average Exactly, yeah. yeah. Like, we'll go through our phases, maybe what we like, mafia movies, and then next generation is like, we're into anime, and then the next generation. But the one thing that'll always be, in, like, they'll all have in common is, like, just the very general things that permeate our lives, such as fucking relationships, you know? So, yeah, that's kind of why it's successful, and it's regurgitated, and it seems that people do appreciate that though the almost like it's a safe thing like oh we know what whatever drake drops next i'm gonna fuck with it i like that it's predictable like that you know and again like while while there aren't any 50 cent songs in the built in the pitchfork list there are like four or five drake songs in there what's the top one uh if you don't mind me asking uh the highest ranking drake song yes Drake's highest ranking song is number 21, and it's Hold On, We're Going Home. Okay. All right. Now I'm mad. <laughs> like, that is not his Are best you sure song. this is the top 200 <laughs> of, the last, uh, of the last 20 years or just the last decade? Okay. Man, yeah, I fucked up. It's okay. <laughs> oh, okay, because I was going to say there's no way you lose yourself isn't somewhere on there. Yeah. All right. I got some shit to edit out, but... <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, that's justified. I mean, Eminem's absence is totally yeah, justified. Yeah, that's what I was about to say. I was like, 2010 to 2019. Yeah, you know. Yeah, we don't even know. Like no <laughs> yeah, I, I was going to say, like, no Radiohead, no nothing, like, in the top 10. I was like, yeah. this is just weird. It can't be that this is. Yeah, especially as much as, like, doesn't doesn't Pitchfork have a boner for Radiohead, too? Like, don't they really like Radiohead? I think they do, yeah. Of course they in do. Fact, yeah, that's one of the first things I remember learning about them. <laughs> We didn't talk about the Let's Play channel. I feel like we got to point that out um, because I think that was one of the main things uh, that jumped off since the last time we had Jazan because I don't think that was a thing. The uh, last no, time prob- we had Jazan. No, it probably wasn't. I think last time we talked with y'all, you guys were congratulating us on doing like launching the we don't suck podcast yeah so oh my gosh that yeah, was a while okay. ago that was like and now we switched ago. gears now yeah now we're doing daily content well the thing is since we've last talked with you guys we went ahead and started doing hip-hop full-time we both quit our day jobs because Woo, yeah. enterprising motherfuckers hey so there we go and we were like well now we're full-time rappers and we don't need to rap every fucking day to make a living you know we're not like going out and people like throwing money at us um for every time like we sing a rap a song so we're like okay we have a lot of time we have a lot of time on our hands so what's the best way to use it you know like i i can sit around watch anime with my girl all day but that gets boring after a while so why not play video games with my best friend with your so, best buddy all the way here and goddamn my best South friend Carolina. said no so i just hit bill up instead oh like, thanks man though. thanks man i hate you too buddy we never set out to do this just like okay this is full-time let's let's work our ways to our way towards making this a full-time job that was never the goal we always made music for the same reason back then we're making the music for the same reason now it's just now we got to a point where we were we assessed our situation and we were like hey we don't need our full-time jobs anymore does this make sense and it was a long conversation you know bill quit his job first and then i quit mine a few months later but we had been talking about it for months and there's just there is so much uncertainty in it and so 
part of the that's actually kind of ties in with a chibi chubby and we also have another co- company that we've launched uh that we plan to do merge uh, through separate from everything else that we're doing is because we're trying to diversify our sources of income because in reality i do feel like you can pursue what you love doing um and nothing's truly predictable so you just kind of have to minimize the risks as you go along and so that's what we've been doing and it's been it's been wild i mean we sent you guys um we sent you guys solar flare an ep that oh yeah we i recorded. dug it man Hey, thank you. And hey, thank you, you, you know, the crazy you. thing is we went to LA. We we knew we were going to LA for a month to do a whole lot of shit. I can't list everything that we did there because not everything's come out from there, but we did a show. We've networked a lot. We kicked it with a lot of our friends, Frank, Jeff C, Matt Watson, Ryan McGee. Uh, we've made a bunch of friends, Love Sad Kid, Dom and everything. And in the process of that, we we did not like intend to make a record at all it's just that we would have moments where we come back and we'd be like hey put on like we just put on some beats and be like yo let's record something you know and and we 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 the, in the first rv we would like because we stayed at an rv at <laughs> yo, first and the RV. it smelled like shit <laughs> it was awful. i refer to it as the jenkum rv because yo. it was like the the shit and piss smell were so like present there throughout there we were high listen. off of those of our own fumes <laughs> <laughs> listen listen we go into the okay we were late because like rav's flight rav's flight got delayed right okay so i yeah. waited at the airport for him i waited at the airport for him for like a few hours and I'm just like chilling like I was like playing video games on my laptop and shit and like then like I finally get him we get the Uber we drive all the way down there and I like text the dude the Airbnb guy and we're like yo we're gonna be a little bit late you know and he's just like oh it's okay don't worry about it we get there he's not even there like his dad is there okay I think it was his like dad's but it was an RV in the back so. we get there the first thing he's like saying is like you're late <laughs> like okay and <laughs> yeah. so then we go in that bitch we open the door and it looks like it's just real run down and I'm like oh man this is about to be rough you know and he goes and he's like showing us around and I'm like oh wow we're about to be in here for a while you know like this is gonna be you know so we're like he's showing us around he gets to the bathroom which is like toilet's great you know just like uh don't uh don't flush toilet paper down the toilet because it'll clog. And I was just like, at the time I was like real tired and I was just like, yeah, okay. Not like really. really, Yeah. And and like, I look over at Rav and he's like looking at me like, he didn't say that. Like, (laughs) 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 and then like, so, so we had to keep going. There was a Ralph's down there. That was like our lifeblood. Okay. We would go there for food. We'd have to walk down to this Ralph's from this RV and we would shit at this Ralph's (laughs) because we didn't want to shit at the, at the, but like, (laughs) it just smelled awful though. Like already it smelled bad. And like, if you use the toilet at all, it just felt, it smelled like Jenkum. Like it smelled like straight up, just like pee and poop. And I remember the first week was just that it was rough. But then I remember that was at the end of that first week, we met up with Frank Jab C and he came through to record some music with us. And like, I remember being like mad, embarrassed and being like yo dude uh, just like a heads up it smells like shit and pee pee in there <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah uh, that's yeah. It, it was it was real bad because i remember trying to, to take the edge off i i gave him some um 
weed cookies and we ate those but I think really they weren't as strong as the smell and in the end that's what really <laughs> yeah. helps. My fault, and, bro. <laughs> but but that's where we recorded two songs from the EP and they're both produced and mixed by Frank uh, we were there all together and there was just this chemistry and it was it was super fun again nothing nothing really planned and when we were recording these we weren't like yo these are gonna be on a tape or nothing like that mm. just having fun it was just and we were then, just making music yeah yeah we made music and like by the way shitting is a huge theme throughout like our stay in LA because oh I figured because like (laughs) on the second day in LA we were like fuck we gotta get a mic stand like we were already missing recording right we're like we gotta get a mic stand we have a mic we have all this equipment on us I couldn't carry the mic stand in my yeah so we went no we went to a guitar center and Bill took a shit there too and (laughs) dead ass he tweeted it out i remember that yeah 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 i was so excited to tweet that i was like y'all ever shit it was just like a y'all like the recurring theme was y'all ever shit in a blank (laughs) you know and mom was y'all ever shit in a guitar center (laughs) and then we moved to like on the second we we moved to the next airbnb which was a different rv in a different part of town yeah. And that one initially was great. It has the, it had this like 80s aesthetic about it. It looked beautiful. Didn't smell like shit yet. Um and then just it all went south so quickly. Like it just started smelling like shit and piss and I, something went wrong basically. And so that was the smell we had to kind of uh live through for so like another few days. You, yes. Yeah, exactly. And then we eventually uh ended up living at Matt's place and we made we put together a makeshift booth in his closet and that's where we recorded a bulk of the record and I don't know some of the the fans will remember this because Bill posted it on Twitter we we got really experimental with it because the house was empty and we needed stuff and we had very few things Everything uh, was hard on hand floor. that we could use it was hardwood floors. The The closet just had like bare walls. There was no clothes in it. It was brand new. So luckily, Matt left a body pillow uh, with us for company. So we used that in the corner to collect the bass and lower tones and frequencies. Yeah, body and then pillow, for the vape door, trap. Vape trap. Also, he bought uh, us groceries and diapers. So we used the... we we. We then uh, stuck the diapers to the door to absorb some of the sounds uh, that way. Oh, and that I see. I thought we were gonna go like we used the diapers to, to shit it, so we get, we used the diapers to shit too. it to recreate the RV <laughs> magic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, no, we didn't. Do and we that just anymore. flung them into the night. <laughs> it was it was wild. I missed those days. No, but. And we ended up actually creating a pretty like decent sounding uh, environment. Like I was very happy with how it all worked out, and we recorded most of the rest of the music in there. And it was a trip. Again, we were like every day we had something to do, and we'd come back home and would either be so tired that we wouldn't record. We just smoke play neo. what was it neo turf yeah we had uh, the neo geo game neo turf wars on my switch and we would tor- play that turf every wars. night we do that and need crave straight out the box mm, yeah uh and captain and, crunch or or we'd have a little bit of energy a little bit of energy so we would record something and then play a game and 
it was it was wild we didn't have a car and we were kind of living there by ourselves so every morning we would walk downstairs we were in eagle rock so we had to walk all the way uh down the hill uh which was like a long walk because the house was like up high on a hill so we walked down there to get subway and then we wash our clothes at this uh laundromat place that had two neo geo arcade machines so while we waited for our clothes to wash we would just play different games there and sometimes like it would uh, we did it with frank sometimes it was just the two of us yeah. i think we did it with dom once as well yeah. and uh that was that that's like the experience and and i feel like we ended up accidentally recording a whole ass ep and then when we were looking at it when we came back and we were like oh my god this perfectly captured all those memories and the feelings and everything that we associate with it it was just a fun time you know and so but it was a moment it was a summertime moment and so we decided to call it solar flare as a result it was it was really fun capturing that moment. I also want to bring up just the fact for everyone who's listening who don't know who we are, anything about like our like weird obsession with Neo Geos, like the reason why I was so stoked to play this Neo Geo game in this in this uh, uh, laundromat is because like I literally have a song called "When I'm Successful, I'm a Buy a Neo Geo," or we have a song called oh, that. Oh yeah. And, yeah, I am so I love Neo Geo so much and so does Rav and uh, something we could bond over. Yeah. SNK, you know, like when you're a kid, if you ever played the SNK games, they looked fucking better than any other games back then. They were so colorful and crazy. So you the see them shit and they were usually multiplayer too, right? You could play with a homie. So that was crazy too when you're young. Are aren't they coming out with one of those fucking like home like you plug it into the TV and it's got a whole bunch of them on there. Yeah, but I think they already did one with like uh, it had a little screen and an arcade stick and everything. This one is I don't um, know how that went. this one's new though. This one is like it doubles as a it's both a actual like you can play games on it, but it's also a controller you can use it as a fight stick. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That looks real sick. We didn't even I don't I, did we no we didn't start Chibi Chubby until we got back because we knew we wanted to rebrand and we wanted to do a bunch of stuff and like start doing daily content and everything. But a lot of the planning took place while we were out there in LA. So, um, yeah, pursue your dreams, everyone, and just be smart about it and <laughs> take your time. It, it all these things take time. And I think what, what made it work for us is that we never were looking at it like fuck if i don't make it by the end of this year i'm done we were just doing it and doing it and if things worked out because if you keep at something that you love you're gonna get better at it and you know and if luck is in your favor and you're have you have some business acumen then you could probably make it work out somehow so what you're trying to say is this is 10% luck, 20% skill, 40% concentrated power of will. Power of will. <laughs> yeah, my man, Mike Shinoda, he was, he was putting that gas out back in the day, man. He changed the world, you know. And I guess at the end of the day, also a good takeaway and a lesson for all the kids at home is to not let the smell of your own secretions be a turnoff to, to pursuing no. your dreams. No, let it be Use the it fuel. As your fuel, yeah, it, it, fuel you know, to your fire, shit your shit work. fire. You know what I mean? It's the shit work you got to do. You know? Hold on, can Absolutely, we talk about the fact yeah. that, like, when, I know this is a real big segue, but like, have you ever heard like <laughs> an old Southern person be like shit fire? Like, have you um, ever heard that? Yes, shit fire, yeah, <laughs> yeah. 
that was what this tape is. It's hey, pure shitfire. Shitfire. <laughs> <laughs> we should have called it that. that. <laughs> <laughs> on the album cover, it'll be like, you know, Solar Flare, a shitfire, says the Going Out podcast. <laughs> yeah, that's the full quote. <laughs> it's got like the little yeah. like, like overlays on the like best of edition or whatever. Like, you know what I mean? The represses. Yeah. <laughs> I just wanted to say, like, because I know we're doing a lot of the joking and memes and ha-has, but I want to say thank you guys for, for like, always being supportive. And it's kind of crazy, I think, uh, for Bill and I, it's every time we talk to you guys, it's almost like a checkpoint within our career some, uh, somehow where we, we, every time we see you, we're like, okay, so this is what we've done since we've last talked to you guys. And uh, it's, it's great to see that you guys have been there for us uh for so long and just want to say we appreciate you we really do appreciate you i'm gonna kiss both of y'all on the leg y'all are a artistic type of inspiring to me and just like you're fucking like you're the uh the motivation the drive like i mean you know i'm just fucking out here with the with the uh with the youtube channel just trying to make that work you know but like I don't know, man. Just like seeing like every every so often, it's always something different. And not to not and but like at the same time, I don't want to say that because then it feels like put I'm putting like an expectation. Like next time we have y'all on the show, you've better have launched a fucking if you're empire. Not the presidents of the United States on the next episode. Yeah, is that, no, your next fucking video better be like Kill Bill. You better be like, yo, y'all ever take a shit in the Ritz Carlton? <laughs> Yeah, that's, what I'm trying to, that's the glow up I'm trying to achieve. You, you ever yeah. take a shit in the White House bathrooms fucking tub? When you weren't invited? <laughs> White House bathroom window and take a shit in the tub? I infiltrate and take a shit in the, in the tub. The first lady's gonna have a bad time, bro. Before we switch gears and head on into the um, albums, we, we've already mentioned so much, but is there anything else uh, y'all want to like mention or promote? Shit, yeah, yes. Follow Aerospace uh, and and bump his music on Spotify. He's available on Spotify. Aerospace is A I R O S P A C E. Uh, it's my brother. That's one of my favorite rappers. My inspiration. Um, yeah, that has my fucking one of my muses. And also follow him on Twitter. Same at Aerospace. And except for the last A is a V instead of an A. Well, y'all heard it here, folks. Check out Aerosmith. Uh, with their <laughs> Aerosmith, <laughs> man, they're on the come up. Yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Shout out my main man, yo, my man Aerosmith, working with Run DMZ, young Run DMZ. But no, seriously, Aerospace makes some like really, really fucking good music, and you guys should definitely check them out, as well as the rest of uh, X Society, everybody else who's on our collective. Oh yeah, oh Square as well. Don't forget Square. fucking Square. Yes. Yeah. Also, I, I follow him at Square. Yeah. S C U A R E. Yeah. Follow him at I am Square and he's also just Square on Spotify. So another talented musician. So that's what I would promote. Yeah. So yeah, just everybody. All the good people. All the good folks. Also uh buy my uh new I don't know. 
I, I didn't really think it out this far. But. Are you like? Are you currently trying to make the thing for people to buy? Wait, hold on. Yo, I got buy, it. buy, buy me some new shoes. Buy me some new shoes. Okay. Because I got these uh-huh. Adidas and them shits is real stained up and real. You know, just give me some new shoes. That's my plug. I've got this new book. I don't really have the words yet, and it's basically just the title. But remember this for the future, and in a couple of weeks, you know, TiVo it if you have the TiVo, and remember to play this in two months when I am finished with the book. Damn, do people yeah. still have TiVos? Is that like Dude, a thing? I, I thought the same thing. I know they with used DVRs and stuff, but what, what about Pitbull? <laughs> You're like, wait a minute, oh, wait a minute. Yeah. Yeah. I remember that. I remember that. Was were we there for that conversation? Am I wrong? My life's a movie, and you're just TiVo. And I'm like, I don't. I think at even that point, people weren't using. It. Maybe that was the point. That Yo, it was like that's like one of those bars that like right afterward he had to hit him with the old. Like, dolly, dolly. But boys, fucking continued success. Obviously, fucking killing it on all fronts. And uh, I love you all both so, so much. And uh, thank you. You two are fucking S tier. Oh, y'all, are, y'all are S. Y'all are double. Well, that sounds oh, weird. Uh, y'all, I love oh, you guys. Double oh, S no. plus. <laughs> oh, double. yeah. Oh, no. Oh, <laughs> uh, shit. We've, well, we've just ruined our relationship. <laughs> with you guys. Guys. I, like, uh, I gotta go. <laughs> My mom says I gotta go. <laughs> yeah, we gotta go. We gotta go. <laughs> Uh, I love you guys. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, y'all be good now. Peace and love. This next one was a Patreon request. Thank you to Al for requesting "Soundtrack to My Struggle 2" by Low Key. Now, I-, I remember I had actually like as I was listening to this album, I remember it was like the Diaspora song. I remember like seeing on YouTube at some point and being like, oh, hey, this guy's like really spitting some, you know, like really heartfelt, you know, intricate shit. I had no fucking idea Homeboy was on some fucking immortal technique mixed with dead prez, mixed with fucking public enemy type shit. Oh my God. (laughs) Yo, what did you think going into this album? I I wanted to, because this, what what was this, like an hour and a half? (laughs) It was an hour and a half, and norm normally uh, that is a bit of a yeah for me. Bit of a boon, bit of a boon. Just about everything on the album, in my opinion, was either average to good. In the uh, the beats were probably the least impressive. You know, okay, I, I want to say this much: like I remember listening to the the first song and feeling like, oh my god, such an epic beat. And then hearing the second song, uh, Ahmed, which a great like song lyrically, especially in terms of like it's really heartfelt. It gets you to think about it's. I think Lupe Fiasco also did a song like this about. I uh, have that written down. There's that bit of feeling like, oh, it's really cool that this exists. But then I I hear the beat and it's sampling. Um, what's that song? It's um, listen to your heart. Yeah, listen to your heart, and it's just like. It's a little too schmaltzy. It overplays the emotion in a way that, like... And I think he was trying to go for, like, the dance with the devil, you know, immortal technique. Remember when he sampled the, you know, where do I begin? But he sampled a really low-key part of it. But the issue is, like, he's sampling this really popular, really, like, popularly cheesy radio tune. You know what I mean? And it's just, like... And so it just, like, rubs up against the reality of how, you know, intricate and and heartfelt the storytelling is, but it makes it just, 
it, it makes it feel like it's pulling at the heartstrings a little too much. And Listen to Your Heart isn't really that song anyway. You're not fucking sampling a song known to be like a tearjerker. Overall, I think it reminded me a lot of Immortal Technique in some of the good ways, some of the not so good ways, and I'm gonna go back to just the beats are pretty basic and forgettable, which was a criticism I remember about being um, with Immortal Technique. Also, because... In an album like this, that's not really what's important. Uh, what's important is the message that's being put across, the the stories they're trying to tell, and a lot of these tracks, um, almost all of them, with, with a few exceptions, are uh, strongly political. And uh, the few exceptions, I think, because of that, feel kind of jarring. Soundtrack to My Struggle 2 uh, starts... With a spoken word intro from Noam Chomsky. Fucking Noam uh, Chomsky! <laughs> philosopher, historian, social critic, and he spells out the dangers of capitalism, uh, which is what the song is overall about. And lyrically, what I have written down here is that it reminded me of uh, System of a Down's prison song and how it was very zero frills. It was just nonstop. I'm just telling you all this important shit that yeah. I need to talk about right now. And like you said about the epicness, I liked the choir in the background. What was that one lyric where he said, uh, collectivize or die, protect your mind to suffer. Life is a paradise to some and a pair of dice to others. I was like, ooh. And then he said, uh, rebel against the system that deprived you of a voice. Rebel against the hell while our survival is still a choice. I was like, oh. Like, there's so many just fucking gut punch lyrics. You know what I mean? They're gut punch. They're not entirely, like, clever. Like, rhyming paradise with pair of dice is kind of... Yeah, okay. Well, but the way he and related voice, it, you know what I mean? Yeah, um, I would say that the messages and everything he would try to put across would hit harder for me if the verses didn't feel so bloated. They're very wall-to-wall, like, it's just really not a lot of room, there's not a lot of breathing room in here. Yeah, I remember after the second verse on the first song, and just being like, oh, there's a third verse too? <laughs> It's a long album, it, and some of these tracks uh, do do go on a bit. But like we'd mentioned before, the second track, Ahmed, along the same lines of Lupe Fiasco's Alan Forever, but um, there's a few choices on here that I thought uh, kind of hurt it. Um, for example, the uh, Listen to Your Heart sample was super corny and very distracting. Um, for those who don't remember or unaware, this was about the that famous photo of the three-year-old uh, Syrian refugee uh, that was uh, circulated a good bit, kind of became a symbol for the uh, refugee crisis. Another criticism I have, though, is the ending where the line, Ahmed never knew the politicians he was murdered by, is repeated a few times, which would have been impactful without these, like, totally uncalled-for, unneeded, record-scratching sound effects in between. It didn't sound like you were re rewinding back on a record for it to repeat. It just sounded like you repeated it a few times and put a record-scratching sound effect in between. Yeah, yeah, And it felt tasteless in the context. Like, he's criticizing those responsible uh, for his death and responsible for the events that led up to why he would need to escape and everything in between. Um, but he also criticized those who capitalized on his death for political gain. And I feel like one could argue that he is potentially doing the same thing. If it was a sort of like, this was one song 
that was being political and the rest kind of weren't, then it would feel a lot more jarring. But I feel like in the context of an album that is, like, bringing up so many other, like, immediately relevant things, it feels like it's, like, another part of the soup in a way. You know what I mean? Like, um, I, like, I especially loved, uh, uh, Ghosts of Grenfell. Uh, that was, like, a really big hitting point. In fact, didn't it come back to it again the second, there was, like, a second part. Three, if you want to count them, songs, um, uh, about the Grenfell tragedy. There's Ghosts of Grenfell, Ghosts of Grenfell 2. Yeah. And if you also want to count, Neoliberalism Kills People. Oh, my goodness. deals a good bit with, uh, with that tragedy. In my opinion... Uh, Ghost of Grenfell Part One and Two. That they're, they're fine songs, but I think the topic is handled way better in the last track. And at that mm. point, since you've already talked about it twice, it it kind of felt it, it kind of made the other two feel like unneeded or redundant. Like so you, you could have just put you could have just put neoliberalism kills people, mm. and you wouldn't have needed the other two. In See, my me, I, I felt like it, it all kind of, I felt like a lot of it sort of built. Like, when I heard the first Ghost of Grenfell, it was just like, oh, snap, that did happen. And then when you hear the second song where it's just that sort of, like, these voices aren't going away. You're going to hear, like, mm, okay. you know, the, 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 the issues that's going on. And then, like you said, when he gets to neoliberalism kills people, where he lays out, like, this is why this happened. Because, you know, these people who designed these buildings uh, thought that, you know, they didn't give a shit about the people that actually lived there and just wanted to save costs. This is why this needs to stop. And I was like, holy shit. Like, this dude just fucking laid out a whole goddamn case. So, like... I, like, I have to say, I really liked uh, a lot of the songs. I liked where a song like um, Islamophobic Lullabies, where he talks about, you know, like, basically making the sort of, like, hey, kid who's, you know, has to deal with being bullied while being in a, in a country that's not your own. You know, like, here's a song you can sing. You know what I mean? I love those sort of, like, underdog joints that he had. Uh, Children of Diaspora is on here. Another fantastic joint about, like, you know, just talking about the... Like, the different people from the children of Africa that have been spread out because of, you know, different things happened in history. Uh, and then, of course, uh, he- Heroes of Human History. I thought a particularly poignant track, which is like, you know, again, talking to a you know, Muslim kid and saying, hey, uh, your history is more than just you. You know, your history is more than just the terrorists that... Uh, uh, you know, uh, America wants to stereotype you as, you know, like there, there's so many people have done things in history that are, you know, uh, of your same background, of your same face, of your same look. And I think it's so cool because it's fighting back against like that very real, you know, way that we teach history and especially, you know, Euro- Eurocentric schools where it's just like, you're going to learn about America and maybe England and Spain and Germany and Italy. And maybe if we have time, the rest of the world, you know, like, yeah. And so I love, like, I love the way he, as an artist, is, like, seeing his purpose in a way that it was kind of made me go, like, holy shit, this is part two? What the fuck was in part one? Like, <laughs> like I just don't have this much shit to say. But it, it, it felt to me like the Dead Prez album that uh, I remember listening to and just being like, holy shit, like, these guys are, like, talking about being revolutionary, and they're going to show you all the different aspects of how they feel about it. Like, oh, yeah, we're going to have the song that says you need to rebel against, you know, like, the racist system, but we're also going to have a song that tells you, you know, you should drink water and, like, uh, um, you know, d- discipline yourself and you should uh, organize your life and things like that, where it's just like, holy shit, just, like, stuff that you actually just need to be a functioning person. You know, like, it's cool to have an artist who wants to, like, put that atmosphere out there of, like, I want to make music that's going to help people and actively push them to be, you know, better and actively push them to question systems of authority and things like that. 
Um, I especially love, it's funny that you mentioned the, uh, track two, I mean, uh, not track two, uh, track three, the return of Loki spitting on that lyricism shit. And then like, you know, the first song is like, yeah, I'm firing the booth, you know, I'm the bomb and I'm exploding. And then later on in the album, like he starts off sounding like he's going to spit like another verse like that. He's like, I'm firing the booth and I'm explosive. And holy shit, how can I say that when I know that like people have used bombs and explosives to like kill all these people. And like, I'm using the imagery of violence because I think it's cool and I'm a part of this too. And it's just like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, it's just like randomly starts analyzing himself. So it's just like, it's so interesting that there are so many different facets of what's happening on this album. Again, you have a song like Letter to the 1%, uh, which is like, you know, again, like shouting out all the people that are having to deal with the stress and ha all the people that are having to, you know, work and live day by day. Meanwhile, the, you know, such and such amount of people have everything and, you know, they, they make the world spin the way it does. You know what I'm saying? Um, again, points that I didn't like, though, were, um, like you said, the beat on Ahmed, um, Sunday morning, I wasn't quite sure what was happening in the song. I thought it was supposed to be, like, about someone who lost a child, but then it, it, it but then it wasn't supposed to be about, like, a, a soldier who, like, had PTSD and was, like, homeless or something? As an album, I didn't really enjoy it. Like, as a listening experience of something, just to listen to an album, I didn't really enjoy it. I thought, he sounded dull, um, but I get... I guess for like the topics and the subject matter being over the top would be insensitive. So you do need to be like in those aspects. I was like, mm, the, uh, the guest vocalist he has on um, Sunday morning and goes to Grenfell and throughout the album, she comes up on a few different tracks, nothing special. The worst song is track 11, MacDonald Trump, which what was the point? It was like the hook really ruined the song. Like, I didn't, couldn't even pay attention to what he was talking. I don't even think he was actually talking about Donald Trump in the song, like, for the he most part. He did a little bit. Yeah, and so it felt like it, the fact that he was saying that felt like, well, why is he specifically calling him out? And 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 again, you're calling him Mac Donald Trump. Oh, is there going to be some joke about, like, fast food in relation to this? You know, it, like, but he never really does it that. It doesn't he, really come around. Yeah, no. he just says Mac Donald Trump. Like, the joke is supposed to be, get it? I added Mac at the beginning of Donald. It's like, all right. <laughs> the worst track, in my opinion, was Goat Flow. Um, because in that track, that's track eight, you've got... The same decent verse twice in a row, and it's not that great, but you get to hear it twice. Um, going back to track three, which I just, I need, I, I, I crave, <laughs> I need to talk about this track. After track one and two, where it's really letting you know this is what this fucking album's gonna be about. It's gonna be about some pretty heady, some pretty heady shit, some really sensitive topics. This is how the third track opens. Do you think we're going to get more low-key material in 2016? I don't know about 2016, but... I mean, it'd be hard to believe that never in his life... Someone naturally that talented, that brilliant, and MC with music just flowing through his veins. I'd be very surprised if he never comes back. It's just the most self, like, dick-sucking... And you get this guy, Charlie Sloth... And he shows back up again on Goat Flow, and he's just losing his fucking mind as, like, just like the, oh my god, this is so fucking incredible! And you're doing that on a track where it's a meh verse twice in a row, and the lyrics are like, what the fuck ever? And that's the track where 
Yeah, it's the goat flow, so I need to do the speed wrapping where I go way too fucking fast and you can't even follow what I'm saying, but then if you actually read along to what I am saying, it's really not that impressive or important anyway. I also gotta add that it doesn't help that after just the biggest lead up, like, oh boy, what you got for me? The first couplet rhymes booth with truth, and it's like, wow. Way to drop the ball, like, e-fucking-mediately. When I'm in the booth, you know, I'm spitting the truth. It's like, oh, come on. Really? After such a brilliant MC, someone so naturally talented, like, you do show talent on this album. I'm not trying to take that away from them. But holy cow, that's how you open the song, like, wow. And this is also the track where uh, we just have... I thought the chorus was okay. But I could do without the We want Loki! We Like, alright. It's a decent brag track. Like, it's not that great. And the beat's meh. And, like, everything is just kind of whatever. So, when you hear that, it's like, alright. Like, that's fine. But it does pad the song to be over seven minutes. Which, that's too much. Like, we got that. And we also got the outro. Which is hyping up the first album. That we didn't hear, but it's so much hyping up on the third track, which is weird. Like, m maybe get that out of the way first, not after two really serious tracks. <laughs> yeah, you know, it does seem kind of backwards. You think you'd want to get the, I'm the best rapper. Okay, now let's talk about serious shit. Now we're going like, prove it, yeah. Yeah, let's talk about serious shit, but let's not forget that. I mean, you know, I am that guy. <laughs> yeah, so on one track alone, we've, we have... Just, like, over a minute of people hyping up how much of a naturally brilliant and talented MC he is. Do we, Are we treated to clips of people chanting his name? Which, again, in a certain context would be fine. Um, and then at the very end, we have someone hyping up the other project. And it's like, alright, this is all unneeded padding. So much dick sucking, which I get hyping yourself up that's fine i don't have a problem with that i don't have a problem with being cocky or confident or you know being proud of your skill or accomplishments that's fine but on a track like this it just didn't feel necessarily earned i did want to comment about the ghost of grenfell tracks i'm gonna rephrase my earlier point not that neoliberalism kills people makes the other two like invalid or unnecessary i think they all have parts that may be combined would make one really great track. Like, Ghost of Grenfell has a spoken word outro that lists victims from the fire. Oh, and yeah. And I, I thought that was a dope tribute. Like, I thought that was great. But then when it came around again for the second track, I was like, okay, eh, this is fine. Like, I think he kind of said a good bit with the first one. You think he was laying it on a little thick? Laying it on a little thick to have three songs basically about one topic is like, I don't know, I mean, then again, you go back and you listen to so many old, like, political albums and, like, every track is about Bush and about yeah, like, Iraq. For me, I feel like the journey of this album was enjoyable enough for me to overlook the the wonkier beats and, uh, you know, le less than impressive lyricism. That, that did sort of reach into that logic territory of, if I'm rapping fast, that's what's impressive, as opposed to, you know, taking the time with each line to make it, you know, dope, you know what I mean? Overall, I came out with a three. What did uh, what did you come away with? I actually gave it a four and a half. I really, I really dug Dang, it. Wow. 
Yeah, I thought I I feel like the messages were just so intricate and unique and so like it it, it was just such it's such a political album in a way that like like I'll put it to you like this. I really enjoy Green Day's, you know, American idiot album, but at uh, the yeah. same time I'm like he didn't really say that much political, but it is definitely a fuck yeah, fuck the system, I'm just angry type of joint that you need when you're a kid. You just need that. But this feels mm. like the adult, okay, let's actually break down why this is bad and fucked up. And I feel like this is something that that's kind of been missing from music that I, I feel like needs to, you know, like I, I, I want to let this live too, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, totally. Absolutely. Up next, we got a new album review. It is the new Danny Brown. I've never seen a track list where it was shared originally by producer uh, Paul White, uh, who shared just the rundown and just all the names attached to the project, from obviously himself to uh, to Run the Jewels and JPEG Mafia, and um, I was a little let down by this. I don't know about you. Oh, most definitely really supremely let down. Like, the first thing I wrote down was that all of these hooks are so bland. Like, like, uh, the first song is, Never look back, I would never change up. Never look back, I would never change up. Track number four, Two Tears in a Bucket. Fuck it. I don't care about nothing. Nothing. And it's like, and you know, that was the one that had fucking Run the Jewels on it, so I actually, like, enjoyed it more, but it's just like, again, it was just the attack of the, just, the lazy chorus. Um... Uh, fucking best life was just because ain't no next life so now i'm trying to live my best life living my best life and fucking negro spiritual you go get what you ask for ask for you go get what you ask for ask it's just like all these super basic courses i think he's a creative guy and i think it's bullshit that you know he can't be come up with weird scenarios now that he's like more sober like no i think he's a creative dude i think it's just maybe just something you need you need a battery in your back you know what i mean and i i feel maybe he's in a good place and he just doesn't have that in general like i know there's the whole stigma of like you know oh uh what no junk no soul you know like what once uh miles davis or something like that gets off drugs or they're not as good anymore but it's just like i don't think that's it i think it's just like when you're in that you have things that you're actively you know that are going around in your brain more often and maybe you put them out more but it's like i think he's still the same type of creative person i think it's just there's nothing right now that's really driving him because i'm like all of these tracks they all sound the same there's maybe one or two moments where he says like a weird story but like that's basically it the year it came out i think it was 2015 or 2016 um atrocity exposition was oh one my of my God. favorite albums Explosive. of the year the danny brown uh paul white uh collaboration fucking dope beats from beginning to end everything was so out there and just like challenging weird yeah very super creative and i'm and i'm not trying to um blame you know uh like you were saying any type of like sobriety or cleaner living or just better living in general on what we got here because i mean best life uh savage nomad i think those were the tracks i gave the highest ratings to those were my two favorite tracks i thought those were fine uh, Best Life, when I heard it the first time, it didn't hit me as strong. Maybe it was because it was the first track I heard. It's like a leading single. Well, like, when I heard it, all I could think of was just like, there's already a song that kind of did that last year, and it was way better, and it was sillier and fun. Yeah, and it's like, why aren't you yeah. being silly and fun? Like, come on, man. I think it was because, like, it wasn't what I was expecting. I was like, hmm, 
But then in the context of the album, I was like, okay, yeah, I'm digging this a bit more because I really like the sample and the beat. I like the sample on theme song where, where, where you hear the so still. That was really weird. I really like theme song. I liked that there was the creepy whispering. I like that there was just like a dude yelling in the background at like the end of some of the lines. I, I, it's like everything about that just kind of had like a weird feeling. It felt like it was part of that atrocity exhibition sort of style of I'm this weird guy and I do weird, I rap over weird shit because that's just what I do. You know, like I, I, I think I had a similar journey to you, right? Where I was like, wasn't really into him at first. For me particularly, his voice just grated my nerves. It definitely takes some getting used to, yeah. It's it's an acquired taste. Yeah, but then when we had to listen to Atrocity Exhibition, like, it all just clicked. And it was just like, yeah, like you could hear the creativity and the weirdness of his voice felt like it matched the world that was happening around you in the music, you know? But with this, it's like, he still kind of has the voice, but he's definitely toning it down. And... Like, he's not even doing the normal rap voice. He's just doing, like, the hype voice, but not all the way hype. You know what I mean? Because you heard on the other album, there were there were points where he, like, stopped doing that voice and just rapped normally. You know? But, like, on this album, he does it, but doesn't amp it up to the crazy degree that you hear on some of, like, my favorite songs on Atrocity Exhibition, you know? Charge Up, Theme Song, and Dirty Laundry are three songs in a row where... I like just about everything on the track more than him. Yeah. The, like, the beats are cool, the atmospheres are good, the samples of whatever's going on are super interesting, but the delivery to just, like, the lyrics, uh, not really... Like, on, on theme song especially, there was so much going on that it distracted the hell from Brown. Like, he was the least interesting thing there. But it's like, when you hear him, if he's not saying it, he's like, because these bars on deck ain't got to shake my ass. You're the real definition of ants in your pants. That was weird, but that wasn't the right type of weird. <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't the weird I was hoping for. Can we just, oh man, three tears. Um, <laughs> that, uh, that Kanye sample at the beginning. <laughs> three tears is the tragedy of the album. Because what you've got is... Danny Brown doing a meh verse. Yeah. And a meh chorus. Then, you got fucking LP. Oh my god. Lighting shit on fire. <laughs> and, and then Mike's verse is just kinda... Yeah. He does know. have one part I have written down, though. I said fine wines, fine dine with dimes and nines. I got an Einstein mind, and I still tote iron. I'm a yeah. P-I-M-P in my own rhyme. Space age gorilla pimping out the cage with mine. I was like, okay, cool. But I still think, like, LP was, like, the star. Oh, what did you say? Uh, stuck in a rude mood, the fuck shit approacheth. Like we believe in nothing, Lebowski, there's no motive. And you hear in the background, yeah, it's Lebowski. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> there were times in atrocity exposition like i remember explicitly there was one track where danny um bites a bar from uh from bob the uh care for cancer care for aids he does that part on oh, yeah. um on the last album and then on this track he tries to do the um we did the humpty hump and the Burger King bathroom. Yeah. It's like, all right, look, that had a really big effect the first time, <laughs> but like I've heard that 
and you repeating it doesn't have the same effect. So I'm sorry that doesn't fucking cut the mustard. Get it? Yeah. Burgers. Belly of the Beast, though. You do two verses on this track. One of them is a recycled <laughs> verse from 2013? Yes! Oh Look, dude, if you don't care, just say you don't care and go. Because that's the vibe I'm getting. Actually, yeah, you're right. Because it's like, come on, man. Like, if you don't want to be here, like, just fucking say it. And we could try this again. We could fucking <laughs> rain check. Because I'm not really getting a, I really have my fucking heart in this kind of vibe. What's that one lyric? He goes like, the weird rhyme. He goes like, I eat so many shrimp. I got iodine poison. A hose on my dick because I look like Roy Orbison. There are some times he, he forces, he forces a, a, a rhyme. I remember there was another part in another song where he says something like, um, I ignore you like an email from LinkedIn. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> LinkedIn. Like, all right. You got JPEG on a track and he like edited One nothing. of the better produced beats, honestly, I felt. And and then he got Nego Spiritual where JPEG is on there just kind of sounded like Pharrell. Dude, I thought that too. I was like, what the hell's going on? And then it felt like like he couldn't keep up the impression because it was yeah. like he was like just barely doing it and it felt like he would stop at certain points. Like, yeah, we just try to just try to eat. The worst track on the album, in my opinion, is the title track. Uh, know what I'm saying? <laughs> it's just, just that name is just so, like, there's nothing going on. Yeah, you know, you know what I mean? Like, what? How are you gonna make that your album? <laughs> it's fucking Ernest. It's, you know what I mean, Vern? That's the fucking album. <laughs> How he didn't do a fucking Ernest reference is, you know, a missed opportunity there. Dude, that really is a missed opportunity. <laughs> he wouldn't be like, the type of person... <laughs> Oh, fuck yeah! If anyone is gonna reference Ernest P. Worrell in 2019, it's Danny Brown. And he did I'm on my shit like Ernest P. Worrell. I feel like he has to have already said that. I'd mark the fuck out. No, but that was just such a dull track, whack lyrics. Like that, I, like halfway through, I was like, you could skip this shit. There's nothing here. Yeah, uh, what was the uh, one lyric in uh, the other song where he was like, Stone Temple Pilot crashed into the wall while listening to Wu-Tang and rubbing on my balls. Who can relate? Woo! I think I ended up giving this album more credit than it deserved. I ended up giving it a three, which feels like more than it should get. Yeah, I gave it a two. It's not impactful. Out of the three albums we reviewed, Triple uh, X or 30, Atrocity Exposition and this one, this is by far the weakest. Yeah, like by a long shot. Like I, I remember yeah. not uh, still kind of getting acclimated to his voice on Triple X, but like there were at least interesting moments. Like the and I think it's interesting because I remember Danny Brown. He who said like you know hip hop is like the new jazz, so we should be oh. doing weird shit and trying to offend you and doing all this shit because that's what jazz was. And it's like. I didn't hear any of that energy at all here, except maybe save, like, the last track where it was, like, an interesting sort of jazz fusion thing that he was rapping over. I was like, oh, hey, yeah, that is kind of, like, his thing to rap over weird stuff and make it like that. But it's like, but he wasn't doing that for most of the album, though. Regrettably, that about wraps it up. For this week's episode of the Going Off Podcast, big thanks, as always, to our boys Kill Bill and Rev. Uh, making big things happen. They got uh, Chippy Chubby, their Let's Play channel, their podcast, We Don't Suck, and their upcoming mixtape. Keep an eye out for that. That's Solar Flare. We're definitely privileged to have such super cool, super nice, and, and just like overall just really cool creative dudes in our uh, 
in our circle that we could just have on and shoot the shit and talk about hip hop for like over an hour with. And as for the first album we reviewed, that was a uh, that was a Patreon request. But if you would like to request an album uh, now, we use Kofi. So head on over to uh, that's ko fi dot com slash going off. That's G O I N. OFF. It is a one-time $50 donation, and you're going to request an album to be talked about, reviewed in depth on the show. I am actually working on some uh, some new music. That's right. Uh, I believe yeah. I might have heard the Royal Jelly snippet, you know, at some point. Hey. Uh, you know, we still get in the studio working on a, you know, maybe maybe something a, a little themed uh, themed to my uh, one of my favorite TV shows. But you, you know. know. You'll see what happens as it rolls out. <laughs> You're doing a fucking Simpson sing the blues. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's what it is. <laughs> <laughs> Not quite doing it right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm gonna wrap the Bartman the way it should have been wrapped. <laughs> I was just gonna say I'm gonna go ahead and give you some credit. Um, from what I've heard, it is definitely a step up from uh, what the fuck did we listen to? Oh, the Yellow album. That's right. <laughs> uh, spoiler. Um, we we did get a request for Simpsons sing the blues, and and we'll get to yes, it. we'll get to that. I, I appreciate that you letting me know that uh, the song that I created is better than <laughs> the cheap Simpsons novelty. <laughs> I, I will take that praise for everything that it's worth. <laughs> it, it's, it's a low bar, but you know what? <laughs> but I still. But if I cleared it, I cleared it. I'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> Until next week for the Going Off podcast. I'm Muse. And I'm Rap Critic. Yo, yo, yo. She be all up on my sack. Yeah, I'm smoking a sack. Yeah, I be smoking my sack. Yeah, I be smoking my own genitals. Put my balls inside the pipe. Then I be smoking that pipe. Then your bitch, I pipe. Then your bitch give me pipe. And then she piping my ass. And then I fuck on her dad. And then I get me the bag. And then I go to Baghdad.